<laughs> you know I always have pizza at least once a week. That's just baseline self-care. True. What you about to get? Yo, I do not like to cheat on pizza bones. They got the sourdough crust, the classic mini pepperonis, and a whole ass wine bar, aka friend bar, if that's not the cutest thing ever, next door with thoughtful natural wine picks. They'll even help you pick one out for your hot date. Those little cookies with sea salt, though. Exactly. Don't sleep on pizza bones. Open every day except Tuesdays for dinner. Solid price for shareable sizes. As well as hosts of Pride Prom mini markets and a sick patio for great hangs. Pizza bones is for the people. Check them out. Yo, you feel that? Dog, that's that's queer retrograde, baby. Retrograde, baby. Da, 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 da. I forget that there's music before y'all hear me, so I don't know why. <laughs> I always try to, I guess it's the old days of the podcast coming through. Mm-hmm. I'm Hobbs, hi. Um, I use they, them pronouns. <clears throat> and I'm LJ, I use any pronouns. Welcome back to Queer Retrograde. Yes. We're like over halfway through this season already. Way over halfway, only two big ones left. Yeah. And one of them we need, we'll get into it later, but. Yeah, we need y'all's help with it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's almost over the season. How are yeah. you feeling about that? I'm relieved. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I feel like it's been um, super fun to record as always, right? But we have been experimenting with a lot of other facets of what it means to get everything that we're saying out into the world, whether it be, you know, social media or just, I mean, even just having a studio, Mm -hmm. the video recording element, all of that. Um, So it'll be nice to kind of let all the dust settle after we're done. Um, Mm -hmm. And to also just see now that we have even more content, what all we can do with it. Yeah. And... I just, I don't know. I was like ruminating on two things happened. One, I looked at our Spotify wrapped and I made an Instagram story about it because that was just so awesome to look at. And I feel like it's a beautiful thing that Spotify has created for us creators because, you know, it can be easy to lose perspective of how much, you know, we are growing. Mm-hmm. Um and then too, I was just going through all of our old Instagram posts because um, I was adding all of our all the people that we've past interviewed like into an email list, and I was just like, oh my gosh, we've interviewed like over twenty. Just, what? Yeah, over. I think it was like twenty five or something. Twenty five like people. Twenty five people. Holy shit. Um and. <sighs> Just all different walks of life, Mm. all different, you know, levels of exposure in terms of, like, exposure into the queer community and just Mm. exposure in, like, mainstream media or whatever. Like, we have everyone from just a friend that we know from college that, you know, doesn't even have a public platform all the way to, like... People who are regulars on Netflix reality TV yeah. shows. You know? So it's just really cool to see the diverse range <clears throat> of voices that we've had on the show. And now this season, mostly focusing in on you and I getting into it. I just feel like it just makes sense given 
how much we've learned from everyone that we've had on the show and also just from our own life experience and yeah so I'm just feeling I guess to sum it up like relief and a lot a lot a lot of gratitude yeah yeah how about you wow I'm glad you said all that because I'm like I hadn't really taken the time to sit on the rock on the top of the mountain and look back at wow look how far we climb to get up here so now my mind I'm already like not disassociated I'm just like thinking deeply into yeah it's been what almost two and a half three years of this mm-hmm. and all of the conversations we've had and how we've shifted and even now as the season is ending quote-unquote in terms of new content I also have a just deep-seated like knowing that it's only just beginning in a new way mm-hmm with how we're going to be interacting with that content and like actually fostering the spaces that we've heard people and ourselves say time and time again, like a sense of belonging and just chopping it up with folks who have been on and who haven't been on and just actually being intentional about making a very cool space for it. Like I've always wanted book clubs and I'm like, okay, a podcast club, what does that look Mm -hmm. like to really dive into all of what we've been getting into with responses that don't have to be you know an instagram reply or a singular message i think it's gonna be great to get into that dimension with this so i'm excited for that absolutely and today in general yeah i'm just stoked for this episode and what what will come of it Mm -hmm. i mean it's been a pretty big theme this year yeah we uh today's episode is all about grief Mm y'all grief and i know you might have read that title and we're like i ain't got time for that today (laughs) (laughs) and that's so fair because i often feel that way when i see grief in the title of anything i'm like i don't want to get into it Mm -hmm. i don't whether it's the timing or i don't feel like crying or like whatever Mm -hmm. it may be like it is taking a scoop out of yourself i think to listen to this kind of content to think about this kind of content and deal with this kind of content so if you're here listening thank you Mm -hmm. and if maybe you don't want to do it right now, put it away for another time. I think it's, just, yeah, there's no um, avoiding the vulnerability mm-hmm. of this topic. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that this year has just been one big, well, okay, I guess we're both in our Saturn return. Yeah. And I think that that yeah. is, well, the more I talk to people about their Saturn return, like that tends to be like a big element of, of the development I guess that happens is just like developing more of a relationship with grief and just kind of exactly what you just said the acceptance of there's no avoiding it so I I I need to create some space for it Mm -hmm. um so yeah I mean I guess to start it off whenever we think about grief (sighs) we think about like movies where people are crying a lot yeah big boos or maybe or the singular tear you know right Mm -hmm. oh my gosh like that one movie that we saw babylon where she could just make herself cry on command and she's like i just think about home i'm like oh my god (laughs) yeah i used to be able to do that by thinking about lion king that Mm -hmm. part where scar betrays his brother but i would imagine it was my mom getting betrayed oh wow getting thrown off into the antelopes and that would always make me cry. That, 
That's heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I we think, can't have mom going to the ants. Do you think you can still make yourself cry on command? I feel like you tried this the other night, actually. actually I, I did. I did try. I just made myself laugh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's just funny to me now because, I mean, our first, yeah, topic, yeah, of crying, I'm just like, how do I feel about it? How often does it happen? It's pretty much damn near every day. Yeah. And before, it was not like that at all. I have always long since been... A person who needed to make an appointment to cry. Mm-hmm. If I was feeling sad, I'd be like, well, maybe I'll, like, watch a sad movie. And, like, because the sad movie's on. <laughs> so dumb to say mm-hmm. out loud. But I'll feel okay or that it's okay to cry. And now I'm like, if I haven't cried yet today, I'm like, when? Mm-hmm. Like, or if it's been several days, I know that, like, it's just a matter of I need to make time and space for it mm-hmm. and it's not always the same kind of cry i'm not like boohoo boohooing <laughs> the whole time every time but my spiritual practice has like created this space where a lot of the conversations that i'm having both with myself my spirit guides and my ancestors and you know godlike energy and myself does create tears and mm-hmm. also because of that i am just in general a lot more likely to let myself cry when i do feel like i want to and that just does just with that permission like I just noticed it happens a lot more like I think the first time it happened we were watching The Bachelor mm-hmm. before The Golden Bachelor like that made me like boohoo all the time <laughs> like <laughs> the other one we're like yeah it was like when Brandon and Serene were getting together like there was like a certain gesture that I saw where I just it just spilled out of my face mm-hmm. in such a desperate way of like can we just like feel like for real for real and I'm no like, wait I actually remember this moment and yeah. it was not Brandon and Serene what was it it was oh shit I forget her name but that uh the person that the girl that Michael was with before the girl he ended up with that black girl uh, and she got a telescope and yeah. she bought stars in the sky yeah! for him and his son, yes. I think, and his, his wife who had died. Yeah. Yeah. That got me, man. Yeah, it, it really did. got me. And, like, <laughs> in such a way where I've been watching the show forever, I've never felt away. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, now I just feel like I've, the, the, what's it, the, the permeability of, like, my being able to be touched by a moment is so much softer now. And mm-hmm. I celebrate that for myself, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should yeah, absolutely. To mm-hmm. be celebrated. Yeah. I, I feel like I've told you this before, but I remember growing up, um, two things come to mind. Christmas Eve, we would always go to like a late night church service and every single year when they played Silent Night, my mom would just be sobbing, right? <laughs> like just yeah. sobbing and I'm just like, Oh my god, like this is so embarrassing. We're at church, like <laughs> stop it. Everyone's here. This is the one time we're at church and every single person's here because (laughs) it's Christmas Eve. And then, two, also on Christmas Eve, we would go over to our neighbor's house Mm. and um, our... Our neighbor, the mom, she would always cook this very specific meal that was a tradition in her family that was fish and sauerkraut. And... Uh, it's called Fazoya's Kapuska. Fazoya's Kapuska. <laughs> and, well, that's um, and, yeah, we always, like, all the kids were like, oh, great, we're, we're going to have to eat Fazoya's again. Fazoya's <laughs> Oh, man, I'm just saying that for the rest of my life. But, <laughs> yeah. But every time we would say the prayer, like, it didn't matter who it was that was saying it, what was said, the mother who cooked the meal was just crying, mm. sobbing. Like, mm. she was just, and it was just, like, I think both of those moments, like, 
to me as a kid, I'm just like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But now as an adult and again, just going through everything and seeing everything that I've seen, especially the last year or few years, really, mm-hmm. I'm like, I totally understand. Like, yeah. I understand that there are just these moments where you just feel, you just feel deeply, whether it be, you know, and it's all wrapped up together, right? The grief, the the joy, the, the joy that comes in the feeling of the grief, like just all of it. And now I'm just like, I absolutely celebrate anyone that cries at any moment, pretty much, because I'm just like, thank you for authentically letting out what needs to be let out. Mm -hmm. Um, and expressing that is like the most beautiful and generous thing that you could possibly give in, in any moment, I think. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely some kind of invitation. And I, I, yeah, I think of laughter as like the most obvious form of like emotional outburst invitation of like share this moment with me, but crying is definitely the other hand of that, Mm -hmm. that yeah, always welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to cry, bitch. I'll cry with you. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. Probably need to anyway. Yeah. But- it's And I think it's getting, like, more and more as time goes on. It's, it's getting easier to care less about, you know, if there are people around, if... Mm-hmm. Just whatever the circumstances are in that, like, I would typically in the past mask... Mm-hmm. It's just getting easier to care less or not care, you yeah. know, because it's just like that's part of the, yeah, the just like acceptance um, of what's what's coming through my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crying out. Yeah. For sure. But the connotations of grief, I mean, like you had said before, like being a kid watching someone crying over the, um, what, what was it called again? Padushka? The Fazolias. The Fazolias Paduskas. The Fazolias Kapusta. Sorry. Um, Kapuska. Kapuska. Yeah. All right. It'll take me about 10 more times yeah. to get that down. But yeah, I'm just wondering about connotations from like then to now, because I knew growing up, grief to me was like a one-time thing. Like you were allowed to cry about something like one time. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had applied that logic to punishment and like self-punishment because i feel like we always give ourselves 40 Mm -hmm. lashes but we'll only be like oh i can only cry about it one time whereas now i think it's just night and day i mean my approach to grief growing up very much so on your own by yourself like i remember when my uncle died and like just receiving that news or my grandpa died receiving that news as a kid just more than anything i just had concern for the other adults i was just like i hope Mm mm-hmm y'all are okay like am I still gonna get my sandwich kind of thing like because just yeah like my needs would feel like they might spin out of control a bit in that way because I think as a kid I knew deep down inside grief changes people Mm. it changes their capacities to care for themselves let alone care for others so like I think that's where like that red alarm was kind of going off from but nowadays I feel like grief it's I don't even know where to begin with my thoughts on it because it's I guess it's just a network Mm -hmm. at its baseline for me and there's so many different ways to tap into it but I'll start there and Mm -hmm. I'm curious about where you're at with how you viewed grief then and now Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I really relate to what you said 
about you automatically kind of going towards your uh, your concern for the adults in the room. Like, I think that I, I also, like, I just really relate to that. And I think that in a lot of situations where it was, you know, the whole family was grieving, whether it be mostly death, surrounding death, right? But anything, divorce, whatever. Mm. I would just always kind of feel like I had to put on this brave face, quote unquote. Um, and I was, whether that was like me putting that on me or anyone else putting that on me, right? I was praised for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I so was strong. There was positive reinforcement mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. So then it just like reinforced that pattern of me being like, well, no, like I can't. I can't cry or I can't be upset because then what does that mean for everyone else? Mm -hmm. You know, versus like, if you hold all that shit in, like, what does that mean for you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it, I think it was very much my ideas about it were the very sort of societal norm of like, Okay, something happens, some event happens, and then you have two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then you better, bet, like, best as hell better be back to fucking how it was before. Otherwise, right. like, uh. what does that mean, you know? Otherwise, mm -hmm. like, people are going to have an issue, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, you're, you're going to be inappropriate if you go beyond. Yeah. Like, you're almost, like, offending somebody else now for, God forbid, having feelings. Right, yeah. So that was always my perception of it and also just that it was bad straight up like it was not good um mm -hmm. it was never anything that we wanted to happen or wanted to experience and we should avoid it and prevent it as At much as we can costs yep yeah, I remember my mom pulling me aside at one time being like, do you want to know the worst thing that can ever happen on Earth? Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> Your mom. Dude, she's so traumatic, bro. Well, yeah, <laughs> but Sagittarius people, mom, if you're listening. I, I'm going to stand on my business on that one, okay? All right, this is what it is. You are like this. And she's like, you want to know the worst thing in the world is? I was like, no. In my heart, right? But I said, yes. She's like, it's, it's losing a child. Oh. I was like, oh. And I ain't got no kids. So right. I, I'm in my mind thinking like, well, damn, like. She just pulled you into a room and said. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm thinking she's giving me the secret to the universe. Oh, my God. And she's like, you don't want to lose your children. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That does sound awful. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that definitely drives where a lot of my dealings and grief now are like I feel like a lot more freedom now and a lot more understanding of what grief is and how I can be in it and take up space in it and yet it still lands in that same place of like if someone asked me any day of the week like what's one of your worst fears I'm like losing someone mm -hmm. like for sure and even though I know I do know now I have so much more peace knowing that someone leaving the physical realm does not mean that like your relationship ends or that things end there's no finish line for life beyond is how we know it right mm -hmm. i do believe that fully but i still think that yeah losing someone is 
fucking rotten. Because no matter what, we're still in these bodies and we're still capable of feeling great, great amounts of pain. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how much peace we arrive at at Mm -hmm. any time after dealing with that or like whatever. Grief is just one of those things that lives outside of lineage or linear, linear time, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's... And my other biggest fear is pain. So, of course, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to ever feel like the kind of pain that I've come to know to be far worse than anything I've felt from, like, what, getting hit by a car or a traumatizing pap smear. Pap smear. It's like, no, there's shit that has happened out here that I'm like, yo, when it's internal, like, your own human pain mm-hmm. from losing someone else. Like, yeah, I didn't know about that shit until yeah. I was in a space to open myself up to feeling that shit Mm -hmm. and it fucking obviously we all know rips Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i think that's very (laughs) very human of you to have that um that fear and also that sort of almost like a deep knowing of like i know this will happen at some point i know this is inevitable Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and that's sad to think about, you know? <laughs> Period. Just straight up. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that, you know, we're in these bodies and we have the capacity to feel immense pain. Where, how does that show up for you, like, sensory-wise? Mm. Like, what does it feel like whenever you're grieving? Do you have sort of physical cues? Yeah, it's like how the earth has a core like my core like not my abs that doesn't come or i don't have abs but not like you where the core is. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't trying to be on this microphone pretending to be something i'm not okay, <laughs> okay. not my stomach <laughs> but <laughs> but my core like i do feel it like like your bones where i feel like my soul lives mm-hmm. it's like not where my heart is but just like in the drop center of like my torso like mm beneath everything like i yeah i feel like it lives there and just the general sensation of like you're coming up for air from like swimming underwater Hmm. like life as i know it is i'm like swimming i'm in a flow state all that but like grieving feels like i had to come up for air and it's how long like maybe it's the reverse of that i don't know I think it's interchangeable, but, like, mm-hmm. still, like, some sensation of, like, the grippage of breath mm-hmm. and being able to release is, yeah, it just depends on where the grief is at in that moment for whichever sensation it um, calls for, but I do feel it in the center of, like, my being, because, yeah, like, my last grief event that I had, like, over the summer where my best friends had passed, like, it just felt like nothing was able to be under control in my body, like, it just felt like Cause like usually like in my like when you're in of sound mind, you know, and you're, and you're not sick or like you just feel like you're at your homeostasis, right? Your body feels good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where yours lives, but mine does live from like my core. Of like, if everything feels good, then it's it's coming from like the center of me and like it's a well-oiled machine. All those things, but like when that had shut down from like the shock of the grief, it just felt like you know how spiders like when you slap one, it like its legs just kind of curl up. It's like atrophied kind of thing or calcified Mm. and like everything just feels so manual like Mm -hmm. nothing comes automatic because like every single like waking moment of it can be and this is like at its worst depths Mm -hmm. personally of everything just feels so i have to literally write 
the action in my mind, send it off to the little dudes that take care of it and like hope and pray it comes back that, okay, yeah, now we can blink versus just being able to fucking blink. Mm -hmm. Everything just feels very slow. Like just we're at the the microscopic level of using your body and it feels like you have to ask every cell to move. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were there, um, things that your body was able to do on an operational level or keep up with that you that surprised you? Being able to eat, I guess. Oh yeah, you did mention that. I had an times. appetite, yeah. I was surprised by that. Mhm. Eating was doable. Watching TV was doable, but I think that's just You'll, you'll do anything to keep your mind off it. Mm. But everything else felt really hard. Mm-hmm. Eating and watching TV was about, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Mm-hmm. That felt like... And it didn't matter to me like how long that would go on. It just felt like as long as I could keep doing that, just waiting out the amount of time to pass where it wouldn't feel that painful. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it was just like honoring that sort of capacity shift. Mm-hmm. That happened where you're like, okay, this is what's available to me right now. Eating and watching TV. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And crying. No, yeah. And yeah. Cause it would be the moments where I would like look off yonder and I'm like, oh, it's happening. Here mm-hmm. we go again. Yeah. Remembering again, waking up, sleeping didn't even feel good. Mm-hmm. So you wake up and you're like, oh damn. Re-remembering like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where does re- reef grief <laughs> find itself? manifesting in your body yeah um definitely in my throat a lot Mm -hmm. like i feel like a tightness in my throat typically Mm -hmm. um and in my jaw too yeah like just the tightness in my throat and my jaw and I guess sort of what you were saying about the breath, like I definitely notice like shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I'm training myself, I guess, and obviously like meditation helps with this a lot, but in general, just to remember to like take a big deep breath, like, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Um, and then sometimes I'll realize I can't feel my hands or my feet. Like can't I'll... feel your hands or your feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. like I talked to my therapist about this and she said this is very common where it's almost like whenever your mind is just like taking you on a loop um, because like your hands and your feet are like the furthest away from your heart. Mm. Like they're like the tip of your extremities essentially. Like, it's almost like your brain, like, loses the capacity to remember that they're there in a way or something. And, yeah, so she taught me to, like, just, again, like, with those deep breaths, like, try to rub my hands together, put my feet on the ground, like, press my toes into the ground, like, remember that I have hands and feet. Um, And... Yeah, definitely in the ovaries, like, Mm. in, like, the lower abdominal area, like, uh, 
I notice, whether it be tightness or almost like an overturning motion or just there's always, yeah, there's most of the time like sensation of some sort down there as well. Um, and like behind my belly button. So yeah, kind of, I guess I've started to learn different cues from like all different areas of my body. Um, but I will say that historically I've been known to kind of like coast for a while and then just have like one huge meltdown. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's up with that? So I'm trying to implement more of these like regular check-ins um, and just generally just like body scans and that kind of thing uh, so that like, and I think just having the, again, like, reframing grief in general to, like, it's okay if, you know, you got to take things day by day or it's okay. Like, whatever it is, however you need to honor yourself, like, it's, it's, it's totally welcome. Um, yeah, there's no wrong way. There's just no wrong way. Exactly. To grieve. I mean, ideally, it doesn't have to be the movie trope of just being stuffed down and then you're this curmudgeoning old Clint Eastwood in the movie being outwardly horrible to people just because you were hurt, like, ten years ago. Right. That was, like, another question that I had uh, about grief was I feel like I've heard uh, a few times, but especially recently I've heard this idea that in grief, like, the pain never goes away. Mm. And that can kind of transition in people i guess in or show show up in people in various ways Mm -hmm. um but i was curious about if you agree with that and also what your experience has been in regards to like transformation of pain like within grief if you have experienced that Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, to answer your first question, I think I can take it one at a time. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that pain can change over time with grief? Yes and no. Or that it goes away. No, it doesn't go away. I I think, because when you are tapped into your grief, like I mentioned before, I think it just puts you into the grief network where... Mm -hmm. Whether it's your pain that you felt in your loss, but or or if it's someone else's, like there's a connection now being made with you and the collective of humanity, I think, where you just have a fast pass of like being able to access pain in that way, regardless of whether or not it's the exact same pain that you felt for your loss or losses, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't... I think time can make it move. Mm-hmm to different ways but yeah it all just depends on like how you kind of let it out i guess i don't i can't think of a good metaphor for it and i wish i could mm. but like the kind of the rushing water that can kind of come aboard on a on a boat to tank it like poking holes to let it out i think is the thing that comes to mind with how the pain can change because i'm sure that initial first burst of like 
Titanic, it's going down, like, the floodgates, like, we're just, mm-hmm. everything's fucked, into, like, okay, like, we've got some things patched up a little bit here and there, and now when the water comes in, like, we know where it is, and we can see where the leak is, and kind of can do something about that. Mm-hmm. But either way, that's still your life force pouring out, like, that doesn't fully, like, change in how that pain is, I think it's just how much attention you can kind of put onto it in that moment. Like, I've surprised myself based on like how many years ago like my grandpa died and like I didn't really think about because when he died me and my family were going through our own traumatic time <clears throat> of separation and so there I didn't give myself any time to grieve when he had passed and it wasn't until I started meditating every day for a year and microdosing like actually like living my life in a more balanced way where actually like he started just coming up all the time for me and I was just like grieving him all over again but not even all over again because I never even started Mm -hmm. so even though all those years had passed like it's just what are you willing to turn your attention towards and even then like wait no that answers I think that answers it but what was your next question (laughs) um just what your experience has been in the transformation of pain within grief. Mm-hmm. I'll say the only thing that makes it easier is the growth of your own spiritual practice to to develop more of a vocabulary, more of a communication with people who are on the other side. And I think saying that can ring up, as I'm sure it just did, not just for myself, of like the other side, like psychic mediums, like it can be this whole other like avenue of life here on earth where you could write it off just because it might sound silly or crazy or just like how could that mean anything for me personally you know like just as someone who can hear that on the outside but i think that we're all whether you believe in magic or like just there's just there's a life force beyond us i think that we all inherently know like we're beings having a physical experience not the other way around and the more I go down that path of trying to discover what that means to me and like creating the tools very intuitively so like people have kind of pushed me in the right direction in little ways at the right time but I also still think that that's messages from the universe like it knows how to talk to me Mm -hmm. it knows exactly who what or how I respond well or respond attentively to, to communication towards me and having that be the agreement in my own belief system just is a launch pad for how pain has transformed for me now most recently with my friend who having died like my visits to them now open up the door to visits to my grandpa and visits to Mm -hmm. other people who had passed where I haven't talked to them the Mm -hmm. way that I talked to my friend because me and my friend were talking all the time Mm -hmm. and now it's like okay like I just feel this invitation to go further and spend more time and figure out ways of rekindling relationships that never went away but I just wasn't really paying attention to because mm-hmm. it didn't feel like I had the option to I mean you grow up thinking like oh of course my grandparents yeah they're going to die mm-hmm. they're older they're older people and I'm a kid and like I have no real concept of what old really even is mm-hmm. just anyone who's older than me is old to me as a kid but now it's like you go through one of your friends going and you're like that was never part of the plan right and so that revisit feels again, just very intuitively natural to me that Kemp passing means that I do also do get to talk with Bruce now too, mm-hmm. which I had never done before. Mm-hmm. Even when I was re-grieving, I never thought like 
I'm talking to Bruce Mm -hmm. or seeing signs from Bruce. Mm -hmm. So it just hits a lot different. Mm -hmm. The more that, yeah, the more that goes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. The the different, I guess, events or different aspects of your grief can open up pathways to other aspects. Um, And... Yeah, it just really does highlight the 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 word network that you have been bringing up, and like I always use the word constellation mm, in our mm-hmm. relationships, and thinking about all of the people who have left this earthly realm, but now are in the stars, right? And right. they are like this constellation that we definitely can develop the capacity to to tap into in in various ways and yeah it's just cool to think about how like think about all of our like interconnectivity in that way too mm-hmm. yeah i mean it goes back to i think a lot of the mindfulness you, you always bring up for solving any large global humanitarian like issue is just like looking in the mirror looking within mm-hmm. like if you don't have that ability to go there how can you possibly like think about others Mm -hmm. but they're inherently connected so and desperately in need of making that connective tissue and those relationships to deal with grief to deal with racism to deal with sexism like anything Mm -hmm. like it is and not even just the isms like the other sides of them too absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah i mean collectively we are in a tremendous amount of pain (laughs) yeah a tremendous tremendous amount of pain And I think that, like, you doing what you're doing in terms of building your sort of grief network and practicing in a day-to-day kind of way is, is like, the emergent strategy. It is, like, Mm. the, the, the sort of, like... I don't even want to say micro, though, because it's micro and macro at the same time, but it's, in a way, like, the micro of what we need to do at large Mm -hmm. like collectively reckon Mm -hmm. like that's a part of the reckoning is like we're in a lot of fucking pain yeah you know um yeah i can't remember if we talked about that at all in our interracial episode but that's definitely been a big part of my work in regards to like race Mm-hmm. is just you know realizing a lot of the because I guess I never really gave myself the okay to be like well I feel pain in regards to like racism because I'm mm-hmm. a white person mm-hmm. right so who am I to feel pain about that but then realizing like no that's part of the issue <laughs> right <laughs> because it's like people who oppress feel pain like mm-hmm. it hurts to hurt someone like I think that we can see that you know in a lot of different examples I can see that in myself and in, in a lot of that's why it's like I think maybe there's a lot of different ways people deal with that I guess mm-hmm. but um but yeah like part of the the reckoning is like recognizing that pain and then accepting it investigating it Mm -hmm. 
and then kind of being able to hopefully shift the ways that we're working with it or not working with it or um, shift the ways that we're kind of maybe dragging other people into the areas that we feel pain, you know? Yeah. Misery does love company. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved that uh, so much at the very start of the series, Pose. Pose. Um, how literally oh. one of the very first things was the lead as soon as it's the lead, if you haven't seen it, the lead is a gay black teen. Um, and as soon as he meets a, a transgender woman, a black transgender woman, he starts talking down at her. Mm. And she very, very gracefully is just like, I know why you're doing this. Right. Because you're in pain. And I'm the only person that you can really, like, you have, like, privilege over, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so you're acting out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I see you, and I want you to know that, like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, the fact that they acknowledged that, like, right out of the gate, I was just like, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's probably one of my favorite little, like, meme cartoons that I've seen where it's, like, the guy has, like, he's, like, mad, but then he's, like, yo, take your mask off, like, what's under it? It's just hurt, bro, like. Yeah, exactly. Very clearly, like, the compass emotion of pain and anger. hmm Where's the hurt, bro? hmm Yeah. Yeah. Yep. God damn. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I was thinking about pain in general the other day, like, why and how people develop high pain tolerances or why pain is such a high um or common like thing to do with like kink and all that stuff Mm. and just investigating it pretty light i didn't get that far deep into it but just like for myself thinking like because i've said for a long time to myself i have a pretty high pain tolerance but i think a lot of it had to do with just talking myself into moments where i'm experiencing pain Mm -hmm. and letting it just happen because i'm like well we all have to feel it (laughs) right so not even trying to, yeah, go further than that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just a comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like, again, another thing that I was always really praised for a lot growing up, especially in dance, and I was in the sort of studio competition dance world, and mm-hmm. I wasn't taught how to care for my body super well. Um Luckily, I went to a studio where they didn't, like, weigh me or, like, do any of that kind of shit. Um, However, they still didn't really implement or teach any, if all, any, if, wait, many, if any. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Care practices. A different Um, Dr. Seuss rhyme. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so... I, yeah, because of that, I developed an extremely high pain tolerance um, throughout my youth. And then I feel like slowly over time, especially in the past five years, whether it be like through farming, through, you know, engaging with body movement in different ways and learning from practitioners that do really like 
want care to be at the forefront um, and safety. Um, and I feel like my pain tolerance has just like slowly plummeted and I'm like mm. super grateful for that mm -hmm. because I'm just like, okay, I feel like that means that I'm like actually feeling. Yeah. You know, I'm actually like, yeah, just honoring what I feel too and mm -hmm. being like, I'm in pain and especially, you know, various bodies like there's so much that we could get into about that too of like how um depending on what body you're walking in in this society how much you're expected or not expected to yeah uh respond or advocate for yourself or your pain or just kind of shut up and deal with it type energy whatever mm -hmm. and that's um, why that word tolerance is a red flag for me mm-hmm I thought it was just for like how they try to put it onto us when we were like in fifth grade. Just tolerate your neighbor. I'm like, that doesn't really invite anything great. Mm -hmm. Besides, I'll look at them and not punch them in the face. Right. Is that <laughs> really like the type of relationships we want to be developing with right. our neighbors? Right. Let me just tolerate them. And right. like same with pain. Like anytime I think about anyone who's in pain, I'm like, my only thought is like, they shouldn't have to feel this way. Yeah. Like there's good pain. And I'm like, there's that's a different kind of pain. That's a different conversation, but not all pain should be tolerated. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the tea on that. Um, so yeah, I guess moving into what are some of the ways that we've had to like adapt life to support this grief mm -hmm. and how, how does the way we spend our time shift in that adaptation? Mm -hmm. If any thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think I already mentioned it, but the sort of taking it day by day attitude, mm -hmm. that helps me a lot. Because whenever I am avoiding my grief, I go straight into overfunction mode, where I'm like, filling up my calendar from sunrise to sunset and beyond. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm just doing too much, straight up, just doing too much. So um, again, taking that breath. And then normally whenever I'm able to like recognize that I am over functioning, uh, I can be like, okay, what's, what's going on in there? You know, yeah. that's leading to this over functioning. And then, um, and then from that space, I can normally there's some sort of like big emotional like outpouring of some kind and then shifting into the space of like okay well if this is where I'm at right now then that means I do really just need to take it day by day and whenever I say take it day by day I know not everyone has like the luxury of being able to do that right like we have work kids right commitments whatever whatever but um empowering myself to be like, well, am I really going to get a lot of work done if I go to work today? Yeah. No. So I'm calling out. Fine. Not. And anyone who sees that as um, anything but a strength, then they are completely mistaken. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, it's like, why do you want me at work? I'm not even going to do work. <laughs> right. <laughs> straight up so yeah whether it be that or taking it day by day in the sense of just like 
focusing on the very basic needs of like food, water, and sleep. Like, yeah. just paring it all down to those things where I'm just like, okay, what am I gonna eat today? Let me focus on drinking like water and try to practice like good sleep hygiene. Um, in the sense of like, for me, what that is, is just like giving myself like an hour or so before bed where I'm like not on screens. I'm maybe just like stretching, breathing, listening to music, like staring mm-hmm. off into space, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So all of, yeah, all of that together, I guess, basically just taking anything I can do to take the pressure off myself. Mm-hmm. Um to be a certain type of way, uh, spend time with anyone that other than myself, you know, like, mm. and just trust myself that I'll know when the time is right to like push myself in that kind of way of like, well, mm. maybe it would be good for me to go out into public for, you know, f- the first time in this week or whatever, you know, or maybe it yeah. would be good for me to call a friend or whatever, like just trying to, um, yeah, take it day by day in the sense of trusting myself to Mm -hmm. know when I can like pull certain tools out of the tool belt. Um, and otherwise like, yeah, just focusing back in on food, water, sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, because I am very much so Gemini Moon, is not just, like, calling friends, but, like, making sure you're talking to people who have space for you. Mm -hmm. Like, unfortunately, this summer, I (laughs) had a snafu with my therapist when, like, the first... Because I'm pretty, like... I'll go to therapy as kind of, like, a Hobbs-as-needed basis. Like, I know when I need to go talk to Chloe, but... She does show up in my mind quite often to where I feel like it's working, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The tools are there. And, like, this summer, unfortunately, like, the one time where I was like, this is, like, a fucking emergency. Like, I need to to see you. She and myself, I think, kind of dropped the ball to, like, make that happen. Mm -hmm. And even in the uh, session that we did have, it just felt like... uh, Too much and also not enough. I think also because at the same time... I was lucky enough to start my grief doula companionship with Christine and like that changed a lot of like there's literally an appointment each week mm-hmm. where there's two hours dedicated to just someone else is going to be listening like a container for like what your grief is and like being able to have access to that in some way whether it's over text or whatever like changed a lot of like my homeostasis, like, from within of, like, I know I can reach out and someone's going to answer me back. Mm-hmm. Like, that was so much safety embroidered into my brain that, like, any other conversations I was having felt like it needed to mirror that to some way. Mm-hmm. Of, like, this is how I have to, like, protect myself. Of, like, if I'm going to be on the phone with you, like, you're not going to get the Hobbs that you knew. Mm-hmm. Not right now. Like, I remember that scared my mom, like, quite a bit, I think. But, I mean, it's just part of the thing you know Mm -hmm. and like just being very verbally like open about like if yeah if we can't get into an emotionally depth or emotionally deep place in our conversations or there isn't space for me to really like 
kind of be a bit unfiltered about how the fuck I'm feeling. Like it's, we're probably not gonna be talking that much mm-hmm. and relationships came through or fell away, like based on that energy, I think all summer long. Mm-hmm. And even with having a grief doula again, like, thank God, like even that kind of got to a point where I felt myself like, I'm always kind of wondering, like, because I know I'm a Gemini moon and I require so much dialogue and seek out so much variety in my dog and who I'm connecting with and who I'm generating ideas and thoughts with that, like, in my mind, sometimes there's a line where that kind of becomes me avoiding myself. Like, I'll cast out the line of, like, oh, I want to figure out this thing. Like, I need to talk to my people and, like, let those ideas, you know, uh, gestate in mm-hmm. dialogue. But there's that part where it teeters into I'm asking for questions or asking for answers that I already know the answers to and now Mm. I'm just like having this time get in the way of returning back to my own self Mm. to have that be where my trust actually does build on myself and like just I think there's a time and place where we can lean on others for that kind of support and that kind of involvement Mm -hmm. for healing ourselves but I do know when I'm crossing lines with myself and I think with grief, it's just one of those things where you're just also being given a new car. You don't know how to drive it. You don't know what the fuck is going on. Your whole sense of self, your sense of everything is just thrown into a blender. And you don't know who's going to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew that. I was like, I'm so afraid of grief and losing people. Not just because, oh, being sad, but also I don't know how I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. And who's going to, like, if I'm going to like the other person that I change into after it. Mm-hmm. Grief can do some gnarly fucking shit to folks. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's in a movie or just very fucking real life. Like, it just does. It takes people. Mm-hmm. takes them and i was just so afraid like all summer like, i don't want to be taken but like for that first month it felt like i was being taken mm-hmm. you know so yeah just it helps to just have as much safety built around yourself as much as possible and i think between you christine and like the people i was in regular conversations with it that did that was achieved mm-hmm. and that's i think some of the amazement that i have like wow it's been six months since this event happened in my life Mm-hmm. And also it doesn't feel like six months. Whether that has a connotation or not, I'm just like kind of amazed that I could have come to a place where I didn't feel how I felt on day one. Mm-hmm. And I'm always surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this TikTok the other day that uh, it was this person talking about the idea of a 90-day dinner. Have mm. you heard of this? Yeah, but I didn't remember what it was. Yeah, so basically what happens is if someone is going through something, whether it's a grief situation or they're struggling with you know well all of the circumstances i'm coming up are related to grief but (laughs) (laughs) you know like (laughs) uh you're changing a job or you just broke up with your partner relationship shifts or Mm -hmm. family shit whatever it is you can text this like group of friends that y'all have all agreed to be like your 90 day dinner friend group Mm. you text in the group chat and you just say scheduling a 90 day and then everyone looks 90 days out in their calendar and says when their availability is and then you plan a dinner for that night and whoever scheduled it like uh my understanding is you try to make like their favorite food or some some kind of spin on their favorite dish yeah and then basically it's just time for everyone in the group to reflect on or for this person to talk about how much has shifted in those 90 days um whether it's hasn't feels like nothing has shifted or whether Mm. it feels completely different or whatever that is just 
something will have shifted, obviously, right? It's been 90 days. But if the shift is just, well, now I, now I still feel just as much as, like, just as much shittiness as I did 90 days ago, but now I'm sitting here at a table with y'all eating my favorite food talking about it. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is, like, can be, like, super helpful. Um, it sounds like. <laughs> I'm like, people. give me a 15-day dinner. <laughs> like, what the fuck? 90 days. Yeah. That's so long from now. I know. Which, great. That that's requires so much, like, inner forward, like, forthcomingness. Like, mm-hmm. a sense of, like, I gotta get rid of myself. Like, I, I'm gonna give myself three months Yeah. to shift. Or if I don't shift, then I'll, it'll have been three months. How are you gonna feel about that? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I don't know. Well, because I think that what it is is, like, whenever you're in these deep pits. Yeah. It can feel like, I'm never gonna be out of these pits. Right. So it's like an opportunity for you to look back and be like, oh, my God, I thought I was never going to be out of that pit. And here Mm. I am. Okay, it's reframing in my brain. And it's like because this isn't like a problem solving dinner. No. Okay. this is just whatever is behind or whatever's at the end of this tunnel. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what we're going to speak on. Right. Exactly. Cool. 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 Yeah. And so it's not like to put pressure on the person to like fix it all in 90 days or whatever the fuck right Uh, it's more so to just recognize like wow when I scheduled this I remember what that felt like and even if I still feel parts of that right now like the fact that I again I was able to curate this space for myself and like now I'm sitting here like I can feel good about that at least you know and looking back and just and I think it like what I really liked about it was like I can, and I've never done this, but I can imagine that it helps um, develop trust with yourself. Like that whenever you are in those pits, you can be like, you know how they always say like, oh, you know, well, there's always tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new yeah, day. Tomorrow's yeah. a new day. But when that. you're in those pits, it can honestly, for me, like I've had really scary moments in my life where I'm in a pit and I'm like, I don't even know, like. I don't even know if I'm going to make it tomorrow. Like, straight up. Like... Damn. Like, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> so, it's like... So, it's oh, like developing shit. that trust with yourself of, like, I made it yeah. out of that. Even mm. when I thought I wasn't going to, Goners. I did. Yeah. You know? And, like, all of these people are, like, were, like, literally showed up when I was in that pit to be, like, here, I'll put you on my calendar 90 days from now. You better be there, bitch. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's, like, really, I don't know, that's really, like. I do love that. It's, like, a a nice community practice, I think. Absolutely. It makes you think about, like, when your friend would or could or sometimes buys you a food gift card. Like, damn, bitch, you really want me to live. You bought me something I can only spend on food. Mm-hmm. That's and it's a very specific food too. Like mm-hmm. when my parents don't like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, you want me to live? We we've, we've been through this since day one. Mm-hmm. But with friends, it's different. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Ninety day dinner. Funny to me how now I'm like such more of a fan of group chats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, who would be in my ninety dinner <laughs> group chat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Ooh, grief spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do, do you want to talk about that? I know that you have developed a really good, like, relationship with your grief spaces. My girl, the ocean. I mean, I feel like it is... Oh, when you say grief space, too, like, what do you mean by that? Oh, where you go to grief. Mm-hmm. Or what did you think of? 
Yeah. Where you go to cry, to feel, to process, yeah. to, to be think, in, yeah. to, to make, be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That hit it. Not always the ocean. I mean, when it happened to me this summer, like I just went to, there was like this concrete wall that overlooked this valley and there was a tree next to it that would sometimes um, brush me with her leaves with wind and all that. It was a good view with just enough movement going on to where I could kind of notice communication back to me. And I thought it was going to be difficult to transfer that intention and relationship to the ocean. Because I always, when I was gone from the ocean for so long, I was like, damn, it really just be wave after wave. <laughs> like, simple. But, like, even, <laughs> coming, even coming back, I'm so sorry. She can hear me. And we talk about it. Um, when I look at the ocean, like, there is so much going on. Like, it's not just waves crashing. Like, I've developed a language where if I see, like, a line of birds going by or, like... There's certain cycles that I've created in the same way that I had initially with like with how the wind was just going or yeah, a little hard to put into words, but yeah, just the things you would notice going on around you and attributing communication from that. So just somewhere outside for me, for sure, that I keep going to the same spot too, mm. where it's, it's got my, my energy there like I always go to like the same spot by the ocean like I know if I'm gonna be having to talk it's never just like like I have a spot where I'll go to do like voice notes and I'm like okay this is where I'm gonna like go to like do what I need to do mm-hmm. and yeah it's the ritual of it mm-hmm. always the ritual of it mm-hmm. sometimes I'll try to I might add like things to it but it's just very rudimentary rudimentarily like walking to the place maybe with a beverage and I'm there for at least like 20 to 30 minutes. I always bring my headphones too Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of communication that I invite in through music and I've got my own thing with that. Um, And I like to do it during the day. Like there'll be times where I'll think, oh, I'll do it later tonight and I'll do it like after dinner or something like that. And I'll still do it, but it's something about the beginning of the day that really starts me off with like a no matter what happens for the rest of the day, I know I did all of what Hobbs by needs to do for Hobbs by. Yes. Absolutely. I did my morning because it's always following my morning routine of like stretching and journaling and meditating. Like I'll go do that. And before I've even eaten too. So I'm very like aware in my body. Mm-hmm. So that's where I like to go. Yes. Yeah. I have a response, but I need a break. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's making me think about how my therapist, uh, told me that like they prefer like one of the benefits of meeting in person is that you're in like the same place same Mm -hmm. time ideally of the week like every week like that routine of it Mm -hmm. um so yeah i totally hear what you're saying in that i feel like for me i don't necessarily have as much of that routine uh i guess the most that I can relate to that is just, like, the hammock in general. Like, I feel like laying in the hammock, it helps me just to, like, look up at the trees and see the trees waving and all that. Um, so that's, like, a nice space to, like, craft for myself there and to feel very, like, connected to the universe um, through the earth. And yeah, there's definitely like signs, like, and my mom helped me develop this, like growing up, she always said that 
my, uh, like whenever I see a red cardinal, that's like my grandparents. Um, and now, like my grandfather just passed away last year and he like loved like really bright colors. And I remember like shortly after he passed away, I like kept seeing like yellow butterflies like everywhere. And so now that's like another sign. And it's like, it's nice to have the, those like sort of languages because it's like, then it kind of pops up whenever you don't even necessarily expect it or like you don't even like, oh, like he hasn't been on my mind in a minute or something, right. you know, like what? Yeah. Um, but it's always like needed no matter what. Um, and very welcome. And it just reminds me to like take a minute and just like be in that, uh, just, yeah, be in that connection, I guess. Hell um, yeah. And I was reading that book, Signs, that I forget who it's, for, who it's by, but it's called Signs. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't read this book before I got to where I was at in my signs that I was communicating with people who were like on the other side and all that, but like how affirming that can be to like read an entire piece where someone, their whole thing being a medium is about creating that language with folks and like how signs can be in so many different ways. And like, cause like, when I first started doing it, it was like very specific. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was like, okay, if you're still around, I need to see two kids playing together. Mm-hmm. I need to see a pair of like playing, like just, I don't care who it is, but in my mind, I knew like, if it's really going to be, it's going to be like, I would like have the secret of the sign in my brain, but I would say out loud, it needs to be two people playing together and also like something breaking free mm-hmm. in like very, like the next two days, like I saw two little black boys playing, which I'm like, that's the exact kind of thing that would have gotten my attention to remember that like, this is a sign. <laughs> remember, especially cause we were really in an area where there weren't that many black people to begin with. Mm-hmm. on top of like the whole breaking free thing being like that performance by um Vermilio? yes mm-hmm. and, like literally having us like on our own knees like hitting the ground like say after me i'm breaking free i was just like this <laughs> could not be more like holy fuck in a moment than like there was just no way i could ignore that and again like the universe like talks to you i think the way you like to be spoken to like there's just in how we treat or teach others how to treat us like it's the exact same thing Mm -hmm. like to read a book on it and just chapter after chapter how people have denoted whether it's a temporary sign like hey if it's an answer to this question let it be that or like for you like immediately having like butterflies to look at for your grandfather it's like it's it's just one of the most natural things in the world but to read it in a book Mm -hmm. felt like oh like i don't feel quite so crazy right about it yeah Yeah. um actually after you were talking to me about this the other night I was remembering whenever I was growing up I was confirmed in like a Christian Methodist church um and I had two sort of confirmation teachers or advisors and they were like really honestly incredible like even though I don't really necessarily consider myself like Christian anymore Like, thinking about the spiritual leaders that I, like, had in my life, like, through growing up and stuff, I'm, like, super, super grateful for all of everything that they taught me that I didn't even necessarily realize I was, like, carrying with me, like, Mm. through my life. But now, obviously, being in grief, it makes you, like, remember all of these things. 
Um, but anyways, I was remembering, uh, their names were Amy and Bill. And I remember Amy was telling me that, you know, there's obviously a lot of different interpretations of the Bible and all of that. But in the Methodist interpretation, like you aren't supposed to test God, like mm. what you're saying of like, send me specific signs, like what's like, I need to see this specific thing to like believe or whatever. But she said when she was a kid, she's like, I tested him. <laughs> She's like, I knew I wasn't supposed to, but I still did Go it. Go ahead, girl. And she was like, I said, well, like, it was one of those times, too, where, like, you know, we all, like, get fed up with, like, our spirituality at one point or another. And we're like, fuck this. Like, I'm done with this. And she was, like, at that point, And she mm-hmm. was like, well, if you're really real, like, show me a bunny rabbit. <laughs> and they were driving in the car and her, like, parents slammed on the brakes because a bunny rabbit crossed across the street. Bro. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and she was like, from that point on, I was like, I promise I will never test you again. Like, I know. I'll like, be encouraged to have it, bitch. Now we're talking. Right. Now we're fucking talking. Right. Let's talk some more. Yeah. Because we should be talking. Right. Exactly. It yeah. should be It should be a relationship, exactly. not just like a appraisal. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. that's a whole, whole, Of whole, course, whole that's a different, other, that's other, a different other, episode. Hey, not today. <laughs> my point is, is like... Um, yeah, it just, it just reminded me, everything that you were saying, it reminded me of that thing that Amy had taught me, and then how, like, yeah, that, it's just, like, in our day-to-day relationships, too, of, like, if you want something, you can ask for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, of course, they want to talk to you, too. Mm -hmm. And when I say they, I'm referring to, like, three different energies here of, like, and you can interpret that in any which way you fucking want, but... I'm thinking of three different energies when I think about that. And one of them being like the people that have crossed over, like, of course they want to keep talking to you mm-hmm. and want to assure you and like, let you know, like, yo dog, I'm here. I've always been here, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not some Disney movie moment. Like I fully, fully believe that. Mm-hmm. And have been warping my brain to understand that more as time goes on in a very like felt sense, not really able to put into words, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I wish that society had more infrastructure for grief. And beyond just, like, did I get enough time off for work? But, like, more public grief moments. Like, other cultures, you know, like, Day of the Dead, that's, like, a whole month. Mm -hmm. But just more shit in our lives to grapple with this. Because I think we've... We had a door open with COVID to, like, come together, even though we couldn't literally come together. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel more distant with people, with people in general in my mind, not like the people that I think of my loved ones. I feel closer to them than ever, but I don't feel that way with society at large. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And I just spend a lot of time wishing lately we had, whether it's a town hall meeting or just some kind of like dialogue that's not on the fucking internet where people just get off on reaction like reactionary shit or Mm -hmm. like saying something just for the sake of shock value Mm -hmm. i don't think we would say half the things we say to each other if we had to say to each other's faces like looking into each other's eyes and like or just seeing how that person reacted to something else and then not feeling quite so hard about them like when you when it's your turn to talk to them i think there's been a lot of displacement of that sense of belonging that sense of knowing your neighbor Mm mm-hmm that, of course, like, when there's literally, you know, genocide happening, running amok everywhere, like, a lot of people feel like they're living in two different realities where we're still going to work, we're still paying bills. Mm-hmm. 
and if you talk about it, you might get fired type energy mm-hmm. versus whether you want to put the lens on that or the grief that you carry in your life in general. There's, yeah, just so much we miss out on not having that invited into our daily lives. And I think since my most recent grief episode, I try to say it as much as I feel it of just like, grief is always welcome near me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm never going to turn away from that kind of, I don't, I think I used to be that person who would be like, oh shit, like someone who I don't know is crying. Like, that's a little uncomfortable. Or someone that I do know is crying and that's uncomfortable for me. But like, (laughs) now I'm like, have fully pushed past Mm -hmm. so much of that in hopes of whether it's through Kazemi or just in general, like through the pod of like, just letting people know, like there is a desire for more of that infrastructure. And as that happens, like there's a general invitation here now of Mm -hmm. there's room for it and there's ears for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, inevitable that it's going to be a big part of the Kazemi infrastructure Mm -hmm. because if we're creating a space that guides people back home to themselves right like that is a huge part of it is being able to accept your 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 grief whatever whatever that is for you um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that shifts based off of different people's needs and different people that come into the space and stuff like that and I'm really excited to see how that all kind of yeah how that all plays out and I just feel grateful that you know even if society at large I mean that was part of the reason why I feel like I loved the Golden Bachelor so much yeah was just because it was like all of these like older women being like Uh, you know, I'm widowed or I have been cheated on a bunch or whatever it is, you know, like they're all able to actually talk about their stories and feel that pain. Like the amount of times that there was just like a day where one of the women was just like in the corner crying for most of the day, if not all all of the day and dating stuff Mm -hmm. because they're just like triggered, right? Because they're like, it's, it's bringing stuff up for them. Um, and the fact that they were able to do that on public television, nonetheless, like, I just think I just have so much respect for that. And I'm just glad that we were able to see that shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, anyways, to loop it back, like, even if we aren't seeing that in, like, society at large, like, I'm grateful that we're sort of, like, in this space where you and I and, like, the family that we surround ourselves in, like, we can support each other in those spaces and welcome that. And I know that at Kazemi, like, it'll it'll be there, too. Hell yeah. yeah. Like, I, with the Saturn returning and all that, like... I mean, you don't know who you're going to be on the other end of that, but I get really excited now at the idea of just letting my spirituality freak flag Mm -hmm. fly. Yes. And not knowing who that bitch is or how they look like, but, like, the more opportunities that these spaces are given to me and seeing glimpses, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a Hobbs. I don't know how to pronounce their name yet, but (laughs) I'm excited to meet them Mm -hmm. as time goes and this thing fleshes out more into more than what it is now. Yeah. I guess that kind of taps into our last question, but how has grief changed you? Mm. 
Definitely. If you could sum it up, because I know there's a lot <laughs> there's, to that. I mean, everything. Yeah. It changed everything. Yeah. I think in the more practical elements, relationship capacity, um, yeah, God, everything. But the thing that comes up the most is slowness. I feel a lot more slow with myself. And embracing of that, I don't feel the kind of urgency that I feel like you're kind of conditioned to carry or like kind of naturally carry. Like I had an epiphany like this past week and like I got a bunch of communication back about it energetically that reaffirmed it of just, (sighs) we do have forever. Mm -hmm. Like again, like our bodies are bodies and like not to discount all of what is important and true and like, worthy of getting so invested in like here on earth as a human Mm -hmm. but i just have this like other kind of excitement that i typically carry or most uh, familiarly would carry in my life when i like had a trip planned Mm -hmm. and i knew what was going to happen after the trip like even like this year going on the road trip i was like yeah like when we're done then we'll go back to the beach house like having excitement for that after Mm -hmm. because my anticipation window was closing the event was happening but what's next Mm -hmm. And now I have that towards just my life in general. Like, sure, I'm afraid of pain. I'm afraid of dying. I think it's going to be a pretty clumsy one for me. And I feel like that is probably going to be a little painful. But even knowing that, even knowing that, like, you know, death is the one thing we all agreed is just going to be a part of our lives. Even knowing that, I am excited for what's next. Mm -hmm. And not in a way that private school ever try to put into me through teachings of god the bible or anything like just it's just been like such a culmination of just how my relationships are continuing with people who aren't human anymore aren't in physical form anymore that i'm like i'm gonna get to hang around their energy too in a different way that i can't possibly fathom right now Mm -hmm. but it gave me peace knowing that like the unknown doesn't feel quite as alarming Mm. i kind of welcome it because the more i accept life on earth and the more i accept chaos and change is a permanent thing here i'm like then you know my life in any moments when i'm going through something whether it's a saturn return or i'm asked out in new zealand or some shit i'm just like it's a blip it's a blip of time yeah in the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. and that affords me presence versus disassociation now more more than more usual Mm. more often than not is what i'm trying to say excuse me jesus and yeah beyond that i just feel a lot more slow and not as analytical Mm -hmm. beyond what makes me feel like i'm actually being productive for myself not in capitalism's a definition of productive yeah i feel i've become a, okay i guess the relationship capacity does have to be addressed when so much of my life has been like bartending and like being super social mm-hmm. like i think i reckoned with it the other night like driving i was just like damn like i am not that guy anymore mm-hmm. i don't want to be around people nearly as much as i used to yeah and i have to have a funeral for that yeah that's got to be okay yep even though it feels like what the fuck mm-hmm so yeah i just don't have as much in the tank mm-hmm. and that is a-okay friend ah, <laughs> on my way to that <laughs> on my way to accepting that yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 i mean i relate to a lot of what you said 
um, in regards to the slowness and the what you just said about your your capacity in general to be around people, social time. I think what I would add to that is just like there's like almost like a level of and maybe it's what you said about sort of your acceptance of uh, forever and all of that just in a different way of like I feel this level of like detachment mm, mm-hmm. that is definitely very different than anything I've felt in my life where you know even like my ideas I'm just like my ideas aren't me like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know it's easy to get into these patterns of like gripping onto whether it's ideas or whatever it is, just gripping in general. I think that um, we're all very, or not we're all, but my pattern has been like very like, well, this this is me, so you're threatening me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like- Ego. I just feel like, yeah. I just don't really feel that way anymore. Like even, like, I feel like I, sa- I said something the other day and then, like, you or someone else was, like, like, disagreed with me, like, outright. And I was just like, wow, like, normally that would upset me, but I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I really just don't care because, like, w- one, I feel like I've dismantled a lot of the, like, there's a right and a wrong. And then two, like, just binaries in my head in general. Mm-hmm. But then also I'm just like... I guess I don't really value, like, intellect as much as I used to. Mm. Where, like, I... Because because I've opened up more space... Maybe it's not that I don't value intellect as much as I used to, but I've opened up more space to value more of, like, emotional bodies. And of, like... Yeah, that's what it is. Emotional feeling and spiritual bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, like, I don't hold intellect on, like, a pedestal anymore. Because there that's just, like, one thing. And again, it's like, I'm not my ideas. My ideas are, like, a thing that flows through me. Mm-hmm. And whenever we attach and we, like, cling, that's when suffering comes, I think. Like, that's a lot of the roots of suffering. So, yeah, just the (laughs) detachment and the, like, and obviously it's a practice, right? Like, different, like, things will, like, but even just me being able to identify, like, how grief shows up in my body and different cues and stuff like that. Like, I feel like that is such a helpful, um tool for me because then you know those cues relate to like whenever I'm activated in a lot of other ways too because it's all related Mm. (laughs) like the the activation the grief like we're like it's that whole like the body keeps the score thing yeah 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 so yeah just with the slowness again and I feel like this is the theme of this whole season is just with the slowness comes the noticing. And then in the noticing, there can be, like, transformation. Yeah. Thank God. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so. the good stuff. That's that. I mean, obviously, we're going to be getting into more conversations about grief in the future. Mm-hmm. I know it. I would love to have Christine, your death doula, come on and talk. And just, oh, in, for sure. just in general, like, I'm excited to continue these these combos. But for now, I feel like we're at a good... We're at a good stopping point. That capped it. That's the that's the death of this episode. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so okay. sorry. It's actually not. It's rebirth. I wasn't wrong. Right. Um, so <laughs> Patreon guys. We have a Patreon. And we would love, 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 love for you to sign up, subscribe, throw down anything you want in the um uh giving portion for that because now we have something to offer you at our patreon so we've been doing all these episodes and like sure that's cool that's season one part one but part two of it really is getting into the conversations around these conversations with people and right now we're tentatively soft launching some kind of you know qr book club ish podcast club to get into this shit on a more regular basis so if you want to join hit that patreon yeah so it's gonna be a meetup to be clear yeah. uh we're gonna all get together meetup. yeah virtual a virtual meetup. meetup for now mm-hmm. we'll see like where everyone's coming from and see if we can do some in-person stuff i think that would be fun too mm-hmm. even like a live recording situation or Hell something like that yeah um but for now, yeah, if you are a Patreon subscriber, what you can expect, no matter what level you join on, is you will be invited to a monthly Patreon subscriber meetup. Um, and we work with all of our patrons to on scheduling so that hopefully mm-hmm. we can find a date that everyone can make it. Um, and yeah, we're going to have our first one of these later this month so really looking forward to that and then also you will be added to our close friends list on instagram stories so we will like post who knows sometimes if we're like going to a wedding or something like that we'll like get on there (laughs) you'll be the first to know okay (laughs) we'll be like definitely just posting uh updates on the close friend story whenever you know we post new episodes and stuff like that so that you're first in the know and uh in general you will just receive lots of our good energy and love and admiration because (laughs) again the patreon is how we make this work sustainable for us Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. That's how we're able to continue this podcast. So please, please, please join the Patreon. Yeah. And also, I'm still begging. I'm about to get in some of y'all's inboxes personally because I, I, I am begging. I'm on my knees. Tell them I'm on my knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm on my knees begging. <laughs> <laughs> They're not here. They won't know that. We want to hear about your relationship success stories, whether it's a little 30 second blurb or whatever, like give us the tea. It doesn't have to be current, bro. Like it could be anything from like your fifth grade crush. I don't care. Yeah. I just want a blended tapestry of all the different times queer people came out and had a damn good time in the love department. Yeah. Or it could be something that's not, I don't know. I like tea as well. So if you got some hot gossip in general, you just want to like, you know, unlo- unload it off of your chest. I'm all ears. 
Yeah, I mean, a success story can be... It, it can just be any way that you that you are moving in alignment with yourself. So if that oh, means true. like a yeah. really great way that a breakup happened or, mm-hmm. you know, a really great way that you honored your grief. Yeah, like any about, of the themes. Anything. It doesn't have to be like, oh, yeah, me and my boom met and now we're best. Like, that's great, too. <laughs> I love know? it. I love, love it. it. But like we're, we're, we want to hear it all. So if you do have um, a relationship store and again relationship with yourself as well (laughs) or with other people if you have something that you want to share this is what our last episode of this season is going to be about is about y'all and your stories that you share so please feel free to dm us on instagram email us at queerretrograde at gmail.com um, you can send us a voice note. If you have either of our phone numbers, feel free to text us. Just whatever way is the easiest. We we want to hear these things. Begging. Okay, have a great night. Please, dear God, keep the gay agenda alive and tell your gay friends about this gay-ass podcast. Bless, bless, bless.